When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's hot in the strip clubs? Your hosts, the 2016 and 2017 recipients of the Exotic Dancer Publications DJ of the Year Award, Danny Myers and Alon Fong. Hey, welcome to What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast on Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm Danny Myers. That's Alon Fong across from me. How are you today? I am good, man. As always, I'm excited about uh, the show. Yeah, we've got something completely, completely different. What happened was there is a gentleman by the name of Corey O'Flanagan who has a podcast called Song Facts. That's F-A-C-T, not facts like a fax machine. Song Facts, F-A-C-T-S. And uh, he's got a really, really good podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. And he called us up and said, hey, I want to interview you guys. And it was such a cool interview. So what we're going to do here today is we're going to play that interview where we get interviewed and one of the sweet things that i really enjoyed about this first of all i love doing interviews i love being interviewed much more than i like interviewing people so anybody <laughs> else wants to uh to call us from pantheon or anybody you know we, we like it on other people's podcasts but the cool thing is is we got to talk to somebody outside the industry about the industry and you know somebody who really didn't know a whole lot about the types of music that we play in strip clubs and and he had some really really interesting questions and i think he brought up some good points yeah and he didn't really have any preconceived notions uh you know about the industry the strip club industry that we so love and that we come from and uh yeah it was just great talking to him he had really great questions to start off the original question was uh rock and hip-hop 80s rock and 2000s hip-hop seem to define the two major music eras in strip clubs. And so that was sort of the debate, and or that's where the conversation began. Mm-hmm. So we ended up talking all about that. So And enough of uh, Alon and I talking. Let's go ahead and drop this interview we had with Corey O'Flanagan from Soundfacts. Soundfacts. Get you some facts right here. Get you some facts. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan, and thank you so much for being here. If you want to take a minute and leave us a nice five-star review, we'd certainly appreciate that, and be sure to spread the word to some friends, and let's help people discover new music. As always, this show is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Now, this episode of the show is going to be a little bit different, and honestly, it really comes from my endlessly curious brain. Now, I'm not a regular attendee of strip clubs, and they really aren't my thing, but they are a place where music is played, heard, and completely controls the vibe 
and so I wanted to talk to some experts and ask them the question that was running through my head. Why, when I think of music played in strip clubs, do I only think of two eras, the 80s and early 2000s hip-hop? Danny Myers and Elon Fung are both current and former strip club DJs, respectively, and can give us a professional opinion on this question of mine. What we got was an in-depth look at an industry I honestly haven't really thought about at all. From balancing the demands of dancers, owners, and clients to keeping up with what is indeed hot in the strip clubs, which also happens to be the name of their own podcast, we take a deep dive into the music that drives this industry. So please enjoy this episode all about strip club music. All right, guys, we are here with Danny Myers and Elon, not that Elon Fung of What's Hot in the Strip Clubs. And these guys have a really, truly amazing podcast and I think some backstories that are fascinating. So I'm going to make you guys give yourselves a little 60-second elevator pitch. We are going to start with Elon. Tell us your backstory and then let us know about your shows. Yes, my Marvel Comics origin story. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive strip club and... uh, no. Um, no, I was a uh, grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, got the bug for rock and roll. I was a singer in a band. I started singing. I didn't even know how to sing. I just did a good impression mm-hmm. of a singer uh, and fell into that. So then my music bug got bitten. Uh, being on stage, I had done acting and theater and stuff like that. But that instant reaction from a live crowd, I was hooked, right? And uh, my love for music began. Eventually, I moved out west and was trying to make it as a rock and roll singer, got tired of being a broke artist, and started working in nightclubs uh, as a barback. And eventually, one of the strip clubs in town, uh, who I, I dated a couple dancers, and uh, was a regular there. So the manager came to see the club I was at in Tempe, Arizona, <clears throat> uh, where the Boogie Nights were playing, which is a disco band. Everyone was there on Sunday nights for years. There was a line around the building in Tempe on Sunday nights wow. to see the Boogie Nights play. And they said, hey, why don't you come bar back for us? And if sure enough, I made more money at a strip club than I did at a regular club. So I ended up doing that. And then out of that, that GM asked me to open a club in Pittsburgh, which I did. And then I started DJing soon after. I fell into that. And like most strip club DJs, uh, you kind of fall into it. Uh, because I was the lead singer, I was running around bar backing, singing at the top of my lungs, doing David Lee Roth flying kicks through the club. And the DJ is <laughs> like, hey, have you ever thought about being a DJ? You're really comfortable in front of people and good, have a good voice. I said, no, I'll try it. <laughs> 25 years later. Uh, <clears throat> so I, you know, won DJ of the year in 2016 for the whole industry. Wow. And then, uh, that's why I met Danny essentially is through Panda, which is professional adult nightclub DJ association. Our group of strip club DJs over 1300 members strong now, mainly in the U S but Canada, UK and Mexico a little bit as well. Uh, we were both on the board of directors together and we had met at the, uh, nightclub expo, adult nightclub expo in Vegas. And he had started this podcast, uh, the Panda top 20 and Panda off the charts, Uh, several years before I joined, uh, and I'll let him tell that side of it. But I joined about two or three years in, so about six, seven years ago now. And, you know, with uh, me as the host, with Danny, we have just tried to grow the show and and we've expanded our our different types of shows. And I'll let let Danny talk about that. But the one thing I'll say before I turn it over to Danny is what's great about being a strip club DJ is it's really open format in most clubs. Open format means you get to play every genre of music. Mm -hmm. So um, I play everything from rock and roll to hip hop, EDM, 
classic remixes like Nina Simone, the Beatles, jazz stuff, country, you name it. We play it for almost almost every decade if the, if the, if it suits your club and your market. So that so you if you love music, whew, what a great way to earn a living. It's so true. And Danny, before you take off, I want to jump into the year that it might have been when you were barbacking, switching over to the DJ, just to give a little reference of our time here, because that might be relative to what we're going to talk about. Hmm. Yeah. So let's see here. I started barbacking at Gibson's in Tempe, Arizona. That's where the refreshments got their start. And I came into Arizona right after the Gin Blossoms got signed and a couple other bands from Phoenix. So 1994. Okay. And then I started DJing in 95. Got it. Danny, what do you got for us? Okay. Well, um, I started off kind of the same way in high school. I graduated in 73. I'm much older than you guys. So <laughs> in high school, we had a very unsuccessful rock band that I was a member of. We played every Friday and Saturday night in mom's basement. Um, never could get any gigs. And then all of a sudden the disco revolution came about, you know, and I, you weren't, you guys weren't around then, but when disco came out, it was, it just shoved all live music off to the side. So I decided if I'm going to work, I've got to learn to DJ. So that's how I learned to DJ. And originally, like in the uh, in the 70s is when I started DJing, back when uh, Saturday Night Fever and um, uh, Donna Summer, <laughs> you know, Casey and the Sunshine Band, those were all the big groups back then. So that was, uh, I started DJing in regular clubs. I did that through the 70s, 80s, and up until about 95. In 95, I was working the college bars, and they were looking at me like I was too old to DJ. Hell, I was 40 at the time. You're too old to be here. So I was out of work, and a friend of mine said, you should come try this strip club thing. And I said, no, no way. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to go do that. Hey, here I am, guy, you know. So, <laughs> uh, so I ended up, I was out of work long enough. I went up, I auditioned, I got the gig, and that was 96. So I've been DJing since the 70s, but in the strip club since 96. Wow. God, there's just so much history there. So you both have been into it for a long time, and both congratulations on your rewards or awards. That's pretty awesome yeah. stuff to be uh, recognized. Whatever industry you're in, if you get recognized on like the national level by that, that's fucking awesome. So good job. Absolutely, absolutely. So the reason that we are here is because I took an edible last week, went on a dog walk, <laughs> and all of a sudden had this thought in my head for no reason. And let me just preface this a little bit and by a little bit I mean a lot because this paragraph that I wrote up this morning was longer than I expected to be so I'm going to put you guys as my historical and professional critics of my kind of thesis here I want to start off by saying I have nothing against strip clubs I've spent plenty of time in them all over the world they just really aren't <laughs> my thing I don't blame anyone or anything this is just likely a me problem but I just wanted that to be said before we started now as I said, I'm walking my dog with my wife last week, had an edible, something popped into my head, and I look at my wife and I say, you know, when I think of strip club music, the only two eras that I think of are the 80s, specifically like Warrant Motley Crue hair metal stuff, and then early 2000s hip hop. And I have no idea why that is. I think it might be because of one, my introduction to MTV and stuff, me being 40, I was born in 82, would have been in that late 80s, early 90s scene when those were the videos that were on, the Motley Crue guys pouring booze on strippers, all that kind of stuff was going on. And then as I turned 18 and now I'm allowed into strip clubs, it's now the <laughs> early 2000s. These correlations have to be part of this. But anytime I've been to a strip club in this time frame, you're hearing songs from there. 
And then I did a little bit of research after you guys agreed to do this. I found an article outlining this in August of 2022 from musicindustryknowhow.com. And they put out the 25 best stripper songs in the strip club. Of their 25, 14 of them were from the two eras that I'm talking about. And really the eras that I'm talking about are the entire 80s. And that can be pretty much any genre. And then very specific, specifically, 2000, you could go late 90s, like we could put 98 in there, but up until about 04, 05, hip-hop music. I'm thinking Outkast, Ludacris, these guys were like top of the Ooh. charts at that time. So this is kind of my premise. I'm going to start with Danny. Prove me wrong. Um, I won't <laughs> prove you wrong. It has expanded tremendously from there. Um, and the one thing that I want to be real clear about, because I get flack from every time I talk about strip club music, um, all strip clubs are different. I mean, there is a general format that says, you know, we all play a little bit of everything, but there are clubs that have particular genres that they stay with. Um, the club that Alon talked about that he did up in Columbus, the one that I'm at in, I actually work in Dayton, Ohio. Um, we are pretty much an open format. So we do play a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, the 80s are not quite as strong as they were back then. And I, I'm mm -hmm. not saying that's because of the customers. It's mostly because you're entertainers. you got to realize your entertainers are, in Ohio, 18 and up. Yep. Um, and so you can pretty much say 18 to 25. Trying to get an 18 to 25-year-old entertainer to dance to Warrant or to Def <laughs> Leppard or to Metallica <laughs> – um, unless she's got a big baller customer out there that wants her to dance to that, pretty much they want to dance to the newer hip hop that's out there yeah. and things like that. So as far as the 80s go there now, I will say for the 90s hip hop and 2000s hip hop, um, a lot of the young girls are still really into that. So that is still hanging in pretty darn strong. Um, I personally, I'm a new music person. I try to play as much newer stuff as I can, but it is great to do those throwbacks. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I guess my thought on this is like, what's have I ever been to a strip club and heard a song that came out of the 90s? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I have, but I just can't vividly remember that. But I know, like, as soon as I put myself in that situation, that headspace, I'm hearing 80s music and I'm hearing <laughs> Hot and Her and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, that's what comes into my head. And I'm so curious why that is. Alan? Well, I think so. I did some research as well because I'm like, what? that's interesting, <laughs> you know, perception. I, I guess that's so here's here's my think, thinking on this. Um, so, yeah. So when we started DJing in the 90s, both in strip clubs, both of us in the mid to late 90s. And so I'm about I'm between the both of you. So you said you're 40 something. I'm in my early 50s. So I was graduate high school in 88. Um, so. A couple things happened. Number one is uh, hip hop in the late 90s crossed over into the mainstream mm -hmm. well let me go before that in the 80s the hair metal thing with motley Crue, uh poison warrant etc cetera, etc cetera, there was a big backlash against them because it was too it became very very uh derivative of itself and 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 incestuous i guess and people were sick of hearing about chicks drinking parties and cars right and they wanted and the videos were all hot chicks and cars and and stuff and all sex 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 and so there was a backlash against that in the rock and roll community and even in the, in the rock listeners they wanted more substance and what came out of that was grunge yep. right which is you know shoegazer rock as i like to call it um and it was all about 
you know, uh, their traumas and heroin addiction. Uh, and, and that, and rock music got angrier and angrier in the nineties. Then you had new metal, which was like corn and limp biscuit, uh, which combined really heavy detuned guitars and then rap as well. There's the little, uh, connection there for mm -hmm. you, uh, rapping along in the verses and maybe a song chorus rap chorus. And then, you know, since then rock has gotten nothing but heavier. Right. And so you have that change in rock from the fun party rock to something way more serious, which doesn't fit what nightclubs wanted to do. So what I was always taught was when you play music, you want to play upbeat, fun, recognizable music, yeah. right? Also, before hip hop crossed over on the mainstream, that started probably in the mid to late 90s. So if you look at Bad Boy, so, you know, Puff Daddy, as he was known back then, Diddy and all that stuff, he had a bunch of hits in the and with Biggie and Tupac was huge from like 95 on and started crossing over in the mainstream, right? Um, and so you had, you know, Dr. Dre, you had Snoop Dogg, all those artists starting to cross over. And, and that, a lot of that was because of MTV in the mid to late 90s. Um, and so with rock getting more serious, hip hop crossing over, there used to be sort of a statement, you don't want to play too much hip hop. A lot of clubs didn't want uh, black, let's just be honest, they didn't want a ton of black people in their in their crowds. So we were told that for the most part, you, should, you couldn't play hip hop. Even R&B was, I remember, frowned upon unless it was really upbeat. So I remember... Uh, when I first started DJing in 95, what is now a strip club classic, Honey by Genuine, and then uh, Blackstreet, uh, No Diggity were huge hits. That one was produced by Dr. Dre, yep. and he has a rap on it as well. I remember, I mean, they, they were songs were absolutely hot. You went in a nightclub, they were jumping, right? But we played in the strip clubs, and we would get in trouble for it, hmm. right? And so that started changing, though, around that time, because that sort of R&B and hip-hop, hip-hop was crossing over in R&B as well, became more mainstream. By the late 90s, 98, 99, uh, when I was out in Vegas even, it started to change. You started to hear that more in strip clubs. By 2000, hip-hop was undeniable at that point. Yep. It became crossover so much in the mainstream, it was everywhere. So I think your your statement is on point in general, but you have to look at the 20 years between the two and the, the change in music... Uh, popularity and themes before you can just say it now you'll hear a lot of throwback stuff you know ideally your drinking crowd is that 30 to 40 year old crowd who has the most money and still goes out and drinks yep. so like as a dj you do the math and you always go back to those to please that middle crowd the most because yeah they're not being up on the dance floor but they're the ones popping bottles and they had the big money to spend right and so if i go back you know to when they were 18 if you're 40 so you're looking at 22 years from today, so that'd be 2000. Right now, early 2000s is a 40-year-old's prime spot, right, for music. Because yep. that's when they were in their formative party years. So there you go. That That's kind of my thinking on that. So I think you're on point in a lot of ways. And from someone who just – in that's amazing that you were able to notice that uh, just because you took some edibles. That's, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. I had to do a lot of history and think about it and go, oh, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> so here's do the edibles. I don't do them, but props to you, just a shortcut to Just a shortcut to some <laughs> logic. Um, yeah, there you go. So this gets me thinking even more now because now I'm in the – now I'm thinking like there's a recipe to what's going to be a good song in a strip club. And this is going to be happy lyrics, happy feel – you know, probably not a minor code anywhere in there. And then um, and then you've got to have upbeat. Like, obviously, you're not going to come in there with something really slow, unless it's just like this sultuous dance and it's kind of made for it. I remember one year I got some, I was still underage, but some friends snuck me into the Pole Olympics at a strip club in, 
uh, Minneapolis. And I was like, this was nice. art. This wasn't a strip club. Like this was fucking yeah. art. It was insane. And um, so I found that to be really interesting. So I'm curious what you guys think, in your opinions, being my experts, what are the most played genres? Is it always current? Like what you said there, your go-to high spender, you kind of go back into their history and what's going to like create some nostalgia for them? What's going to be like, oh, I haven't heard that song since I was partying in college. That kind of thing gets them pumped up and then they start spending more money and that kind of thing. Is that the mindset of a strip club DJ? Depends. <clears throat> I'm going to take this one first. Um, you know, 20 years ago, I think that was the mindset. Uh, very much so. Uh, you know, the owner had a format and you stayed with the format. What has happened is over the, um, the last, because DJs, let's face it, we make most of our money off of entertainer tips. Um, so it got to the point where, you know, a lot of clubs are saying there's no mandatory tip, tipping what you want. So now all of a sudden you're in a, in a jam because, you know, you've got, again, as I say, 18, 23, 24-year-old entertainers. You start playing them the stuff that you think is going to be better for the crowd, and you're going to end up walking home broke. So as a DJ... And it's funny because I'm getting ready to do this uh, panel in uh, Vegas at the uh, next Exotic Dancer Publications Expo. And the title of this is called uh, the uh, breakout seminar called Can You Hear Me Now? How to Get Entertainers, DJs, and Managers on the Same Page. This is the topic that they gave me to speak about. So oh. I've really been researching this a lot. <clears throat> um, a lot of it is you've got to find a way to please both. And that's hard to do because most of your owners are in their fifties and up and they're still living in the old days of we want to hear Van Halen hot for teacher all night long. And, <laughs> and, you know, and then you got the young girls going, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> so you gotta, as, as a DJ, you've got to learn how to please mom and dad, both. If that makes sense, yeah. you know, so yeah, um, and the trick to that is to bounce around a lot. You know, um, I'm in a very fortunate situation where I can play three song sets for the girls. I'm in a nude club. The first song, they're fully dressed. The second song, they're topless. The third song, they're nude. So having three song sets, I have a huge advantage. I don't have to please the girl on every song. I can go out there and play one for the crowd, one for the owner, one for the entertainer. Hmm. And that way... I can I can get all three somewhat not I won't say pleased but not upset. How's that? That's interesting to me because I'm thinking in my head that um dancer comes to you and says, "Here's the three songs I want to do for my sets tonight." Is that not it? Or is that it in some um, clubs no, it varies? Yeah, every club it varies. There are some clubs that um just have what I can saw what I call Spotify button pushers. The girl sends their Spotify list to the DJ. The DJ picks a song off their Spotify list, and it goes. Um, and unfortunately, more and more clubs are going to that. Just play what the girl wants because we're short on girls tonight, and we want to keep them happy. Now, me particularly, I won't work at a Spotify club, what I call a Spotify club. And I, I don't play off online anyway. But I just, um, you know, if I'm not going to be able to DJ, if I'm not going to be able to have some say in what's going on, it's time for me to get out of the business. I'm, I'm not doing it just for the tips anymore. In fact, I'm 67 years old. I could technically retire tomorrow if I wanted to. So when the day comes that all I can do, okay, there's a saying that I used to always say, if all you're going to do is 
be a jukebox for the entertainer, you're going to be replaced by a jukebox for the entertainer. Yep. And that is more so today, especially with the automated DJ programs that are out there. Again, they've got programs out there. They'll just play whatever song a girl wants and the automation will introduce a girl. So if, if you want to be replaced by that, then go ahead and do that. Me personally, no. If, if I, I take suggestions, I ask a new entertainer when she comes to work for me, you know, you're going to hear a wide variety of music, but I also want to know what your favorites are so I can work some of those in the set for you. Um, but as far as the, the entertainer picking all three songs, uh, it doesn't happen in my club, but again, all clubs are different. Yeah. Elon, anything to add? Hey, Elon, hold your thought for one second. We'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Hey, thanks for sticking around. This is a podcast hosted by Corey O'Flanagan from Song Facts. This is when he interviewed Alon Fong and myself, Danny Myers. Back to it. Yeah, so 
Uh, I think we need to explain without going into too much detail. Uh, it's not really our place to say th this part. But the reason things changed with that is uh, there was a bunch of class action lawsuits from the dancers uh, against clubs about being independent contractors. And one of the things about being an independent contractor is you can't tell them how to do their business because mm. they're independent contractors. So uh, before, the so two things that were the two biggest things that were, uh, I guess, illegal or that, that, uh, made the cases go was one, there was things like house fees and mandatory DJ fees. You can't man make it mandatory. Right. Um, so, uh, that was number one. So then our, our, our pay, pay scale went away. And then number two is, uh, you couldn't tell them what to dance to in a lot of situations. I, I was lucky enough in my 25 year career to never work at a club where the girls could have total control of the music. In fact, I had total control of the music. So I actually got to DJ part to what you said, Prior to that question, it's a big part of reading your room. Yeah. So you were asking about how, you know, you you target that 40-year-old, 30-year-old audience member, right? But it's not as simple as just them because you have a mixed crowd of men, women, different ages from 21, usually is 21 and up, or if it's a BYOB club or no liquor license, 18 and up to 40 or 50. And and like if you're working day shift or all the way up into say midnight, you're definitely going to have more of the older professional businessmen. Usually after two, your audience starts to skew younger. Right. And then you still have the high rollers maybe staying around. So, of course, I'm playing more modern music the later the night goes and mm -hmm. throughout the night. And then you're always mixing in the classics to get them old guys hype, remembering when they were cool and to keep them there and to keep them spending money. If I play nothing but the top 40, uh, you're not going to have that sort of clientele in there whatsoever. So you have to look at both things and it's different every night too. So if I have a night, let's say it's a Wednesday night and I have nothing but 20 year olds, of course, I'm going to play modern, more modern stuff. And by the same token, you know, the reason the classics work is they've been heard way more than any new hit. I don't care what the number one song is right now. The number one song from 20 years ago has been heard 10 times as much probably, whether it's been through movies, commercials. So even the young people can still connect to it and relate. And so there's that happy medium of playing a little bit of everything. Uh, and then, you know, I used to what I used to say to dancers is I'll collaborate with you. Let's work on some stuff that you're going to like and has beats. That's why I like remixes, too, because you can play maybe a rock genre that she can't dance to because rock has, you know, live drumming and it's much more a feel thing. And then if it's a remix, it's going to have that four four on the floor beat that they can get into and, and really grab onto without all the double bass and blah, 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 blah. Right. So. You know, there's so many variables that go into it, to be honest. Uh, it's it's hard to say, you know, the things we talked about. Yeah, there's a general rule that allows you to, to DJ a certain way that can keep you in the ballpark. But at the end of the day, you have to know a little bit of everything and, and, and stay constant with what is in your room. And also, of course, what your brand of your club is, right? So, uh, like, you know, you can't go to a rock club and go request, you know, Lil Wayne. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't go to a hip hop club and request Metallica. Same thing, right? So it just depends. There's a lot of variables is what I'll say about that. But uh, you're pretty much on point. And Danny's, of course, uh, if you're in a club where you have to play what the girls want or have to play more of what they want, you have to learn to build a relationship with them and get their trust so that if you're trying to do something that's good for the room and good for everybody, they'll let you do it without throwing a hissy fit. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. That's so interesting because I love getting these behind-the-scenes snapshots of industries I have no idea about. Because I've only ever been a client, not a very good yeah. client either. 
And, um, <laughs> but I, um, okay. So I sent you guys a question like just a few hours ago. I I've added just a bit to it, but I'm the reason I added to it was because I think they might align. So I challenge you guys, um, to think of a song that you think is the song that you think of, of music being played at a strip club. And then the other thing that I wanted to add to that is, am I missing an era? Like, of these two eras, like I think we've kind of agreed that these are two very prominent eras in music played in strip clubs. Is there something that I'm missing? Um, other than the new music, um, you know, I think you, well, you had uh, 2000s. Yeah, you know what's funny is the 2011 to 2019, the really, or 2011 to 2016, really isn't overly replayed. And hmm. I'm, I, it's a gut feeling thing. They, it's probably this is another theory i'm gonna bounce past you um in the older days 80s 90s 2000s there wasn't as much music coming out nowadays uh you know you look at spotify and every day alon what was the number how many songs were added to spotify every day is now up in 2017 it was 40,000 songs a day we're up over a hundred thousand new songs per day added to streaming oh my God. so so basically there's so much new music coming out and our entertainers spend so much time on tiktok and instagram learning the new music that i don't think the newer songs of 10 years beyond to now are really gonna last as long i mean you know you look at the 80s and 90s we're never going to have another motley crew we are never going to have another def leopard a band one band that is going to stand the test of time that's going to come out from this era and that's because you know heck you know back in the 70s and 80s if you were a decent musician and your parents had enough money to send you to the to the recording studio you could make some hits um and nowadays it's you anybody can sit there and get on garage band on their freaking phone and write a hit song i mean you know you can buy the loops um you know if you can sing if you can't sing there's auto-tune that can fix that so i think the music of today it, it's not going to have the longevity of the music of the 80s 90s and 00s and i'll add to that that i think we're going to have an ai number one hit like in the next one to two years right yep a computer's yep. going to yep. write a number one hit in the next one to two years lyrically musically everything about it there's probably some already out there, but they're not admitting that it's AI. Probably true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, as far as a song that really stood the test of time, that really makes you think of, I mean, I don't want to get as generic and say Motley Crue, Girls, 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 because every single strip club is going to play that. And um, and I think that's going to be the general answer. Yeah. But I, I think going a little newer than that, uh, the one that always makes me think of it is um, is my darkest days, porn star dancing. Way too much baggage and that shit just gets old. But I got a girl who can put on a show. The dollar decides how far you can go. She wraps those hands around that pole. She licks those lips and off we go. She takes it off nice and slow. Cause that's porn star dancing. She don't play nice. She makes me beg. And she drops that dress around her because when that one came out, that's one of the, and I won't say newer because I can't remember the year that came out, but that's one of the ones from back then that will stand the test of time in a strip club. That's one that I still get a lot of requests, even from the younger entertainers. Hmm. Alon, 
Uh, so it's funny that you, I, I will disagree with you on your 2010 to 2016. I actually think that's the last generation of songs that will hold water moving forward because of what you said with TikTok and everything else. Now the trends change from week to week, for God's sakes. So there's like no holdover for hit songs, right? It's so, you know, hot, you know, the hot song of the minute, literally. Yeah. Um, depending on the club you work at and, and the, the format and the type of clientele you have, that music, um, you know, that's when the EDM in America explosion sort of happened, right? With the Beachy blowing up, the Swedish House Mafia, and EDM was taking over pop radio, everything, right? So I think there's a ton of sing-along songs from that era. Like, you can still play, you know, um, oh, my God, Sia and David Guetta. What's the uh, sh- uh, chandelier. chandelier? Yeah, a Chandelier, and, like, you know, people sing along. And there's a bunch of big sing-along Rihanna stuff, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, that was EDM based that that still works really well, uh, even in nightclubs. Now, the difference is um, my club, I DJed more like a more traditional club DJ than the traditional strip club DJ. We were a very mainstream, uh, high end, upbeat liquor license club. Um, so, you know, and that's changing now. You know, obviously hip hop is so dominant on the airwaves. You can't not play hip hop. I, I think it's not possible. I'll still play remixes of it, remixes of a lot of it. Um, and the other trend is this really downbeat. So it's anti EDM, right? It's all minor key, really slow beat hip hop is what, you know, the trap stuff and, and all the stuff that's been big the last four or five years or so. Uh, and as far as songs, so your question was, I think originally was what was written for the strip clubs, sort of, right? Or with strip clubs in mind mainly? Yeah. What do you think of when you, if I say like, hey, what does the, song that you think of when you think of strip clubs that's that's the question i'd still say girls 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 no but there's a reason why I've played that song a minimum of, I did the math once over my career, a, 30, a minimum of 30,000 times. Oh my God. Because, because you play it, most clubs use it as the buffer for your uptimes or if you're doing t-shirt sales or doing a two for one. And most clubs do that every hour. So I did that every hour, four or five times a night after a certain time we started them, right? For decades. And it was very Pavlovian at a certain point where I tried to change it because I was so sick of it. But the girls were trained, the minute they heard it, they would get up and go sell. When I even when we had meetings and told them we're switching to this song, they wouldn't move until I was like, "Hey, hey, girls, we're doing a two for one." You know what I mean? So we went back to "Girls, Girls, Girls." It was Pavlovian. So, but the other key thing about that song is it was literally written for MJP, Michael Michael J. Peter, um, who created the or was the patriarch of the uh, upscale gentlemen's club concept, sort of before he did really hot girls and evening gowns with fine dining and fine liqueurs and bright light, well lit you know, mainstream clubs, it was sort of the old biker bar, you know, strip club down and dirty and seedy. And I've kind of gone back to that, sadly. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, now, and he brought that in. He was friends with Vince Neil and uh, the Motley Crue guys, and they wrote the song for him. And, and in the song, of course, they n- name checks a bunch of strip clubs, well-known strip clubs from coast to coast. And uh, like Jay-Z's uh, I Just Want to Love You. Dynasty. I'm a hustler, baby. 
does the same thing that was came out in 2000 which kind of came to your 2080s thing i thought i'd bring that in where he name checks a bunch of strip clubs as well and that came out in 2000 so those would be the two songs and since then there have been plenty of big strip club you know uh in love with the stripper t-pain um would come to mind but it's uh it's a little slow i remember when it came out that everyone wanted you to play i would play like last song of the night last couple songs mm. of the night because it's so down tempo um so yeah there's there's my offerings so just want to love you I, when i was reading this list i don't know how prominent the website was but i was just looking for anybody to put out a list of like the top 25 or 50 or whatever i could find just so i could kind of check my what was going on in my head against percentages um and like i said it was 14 out of 25 an interesting one that was on that list though was nine inch nails closer you let me complicate you Which, yeah, that's huge. It's classic. It's just amazing that that, like, that to me does not bring me, that brings me into like the scene where Neo chases the white rabbit into some industrial techno club underground in some yes, grimy part of the go. city. But like, it does not bring me mentally into a strip club. So I was really surprised by that one. Oh, well, I mean, fuck you like an animal. You know, I will say, yeah. you know, one of the tricks of being a DJ, strip club DJ, is you also want to tie lyrical content to what's going on around you. So, I'm known on our panda off the charts for finding uh, all sorts of sexually related songs, whether it was innuendo or outright them saying, I'm going to fuck you like an animal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And because it fits the atmosphere, right? So, you know, that one, the minute that beat drops, everyone's like, oh, it's, yeah. And, and by the way, everybody, it's called Closer, not fuck you like an animal. <laughs> you playing the fuck you like an animal song? It's called Closer, C L O S E R, Closer. Okay, thanks. Pet peeve. No. Sorry, if I could throw uh, one more thing, uh, you know, as Alan was talking about the Pavlovian situation, uh, there's one other song that it's not really even a song, but we used it just to wake people up, and that was the damn Mission Impossible theme. It's been for <laughs> yeah. uh, a two for one or an upsell kind of a thing because what it does. I mean, I always have this running joke that whenever Mission Impossible comes out with a new movie, strippers can't go see it because as soon as they put that song on, they're going to stand up and walk around. They're just... <laughs> That's great. This song, you've got to stand up and walk around. Would you like to dance? Would you two for one time? In the theater. So, yeah, in the theater. So, yeah, I would have to say that Mission Impossible theme song is, is another one. Not that I request it. I am so freaking sick of it. But when you want to think about a song that people hear and they think of strip clubs um i think that was a that was a general general song that majority of strip clubs played for their two for ones or whenever they wanted to do a bumper or buffer kind of thing wow oh porn star dancing 2010 2010 thank you yeah 
Good. Okay. Well, we've we've. I think that that's not a bad era either. From what I mean, you guys are kind of disagreeing on that, but there was a lot of stuff, and like especially that like hip hop EDM kind of crossover with Rihanna and everything that was going on. Oh yeah, that stuff really pumps in there. So that makes sense to me. Um, okay, you guys got an amazing thing. I was browsing around on the website earlier today. You guys are starting the project called the Strip Club Hall of Fame. This is so cool. And I don't know if the general public can be involved. I saw there was a sign-up sheet. I don't know for sure. I'm going to let you guys run away with it. This is our last little bit. Um, tell us about the project and how it came to be so that listeners can be a part of it. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Myers. <laughs> it is open to anybody who has ever been in the strip club. We're not limiting this. Um, we are very clear to say it is a strip club music hall of fame because there are a lot of DJs that feel that they should be in a hall of fame, a lot of clubs that feel they should be in a hall of fame. So what happened was Alon and I were talking about um, the nominations for the regular rock and roll hall of fame. And, you know, I mean, no disrespect to the rock and roll hall of fame. They've got some great songs in there, great artists in there, but Carly Simon is not a strip club song. <laughs> so when you start looking at the people that are in there, we started thinking, man, you know, art, you know, if we were to vote, but we would be voting from the strip club point of view. So that's when we kind of hit, wait a minute, we might have something here. So we started this in the first year for the 2023 that's out right now, the five bands that made it, uh, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Nine Inch Nails, Guns and Roses and Prince. Hmm. Um, those were the first five to make it. That was the 2023 strip club music hall of fame. Uh, the, pr the prerequisite is they have to be at least their first song had to be released, a singular or, or album had to be released commercially 20 years before. So that would be 2003 and before. We just opened up the 2024. It's at stripclubhof.com. And um, we want to, I think there was a misconception. We didn't get clear in our first one that, um, you know, because people think music, rock and roll, Hall of Fame, they think rock and roll. Mm. Uh, we did not put the word rock and roll in ours for a reason. And that is because exactly like you are saying, there's a lot of hip hop artists and we want them to be included as well. So what we did for this year is if you looked at the website, you'll see there's um, five drop down boxes. There's about 40 songs in each. Those are the artists, the fans mean 40 bands. And those are the ones that did not make it, but had numerous suggestions. So we put those in there just to give you ideas. And then we also left two fill-in vote lines for write-ins that you can add in case you feel there's some that, that we didn't. You guys can um, uh, disregard my Carly Simon write-in. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if, hey, if you want a strip club song from Carly Simon, you know, I mean, you're so vain. Didn't you do that? Yeah, it so. just depends on the circles you're running in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's um, that's what the Strip Club Music Hall of Fame, again, stripclubhof.com. All we ask is that you've you've spent some time in strip clubs. We want it open to the customers. We want it open to the DJs, the entertainers, the club managers, the person on the street. But we want them to at least know something about going into strip clubs. So if you've been in there a time or two, yeah, you can you can vote. Yeah, I think you know the big thing for us was there's always that huge debate every year of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, especially lately. You know, the the gatekeepers want to keep anyone who's not hardcore rock out of there, so they're like, "Oh, hip hop shouldn't be in here, uh, R and B shouldn't be in here, uh, bluegrass shouldn't be in here, blah 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 blah." Right? And that's not us. We play everything anyways. So I was sort of surprised that was, I mean, all the artists that got in deserve it. Uh, yeah. 
First ballot. This is our first ballot. I wouldn't have put Danny and I agree on this. We wouldn't have put Nine Inch Nails first ballot. They definitely deserve to be in there. Um, I was more shocked that uh, artists like you know Beyonce, especially the last twenty years. There's nobody more important and bigger than the amount of tracks she's put in. Rihanna will be uh, 2005 is her first track, so she'll be eligible in two years. Usher is eligible. Um, you know, Jay Z. There's all sorts of other people who, who are eligible who didn't get any or a lot of mentions at all, which sort of surprised me. Um, but yeah, we're open to all genres. So there's lots of EDM artists who could be thrown in there. I would throw the Prodigy in there. I would yeah. say maybe Fatboy Slim. You know, there's some great EDM acts. Lords of Acid has so many sexually based songs that totally fit in a strip club. Uh, so yeah, whatever whatever floats your boat, though, go ahead and vote. We want the votes, man. We I'm so curious to hear what people think. And, and, and this is your chance to have a say uh, and not just rock people. So, I mean, you know, that's what's great about it. The, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame will always skew that way, although they're allowing more people in. But hey, man, strip clubs are, are the clubs of the people. You know, everybody comes to strip clubs nowadays. This is the stigma. A lot of it is going away. You, we see more couples, more women in there all the time. We see, you know, every race known to man come in. So, hey, have your voice heard. And I think, you know, to just kind of toot my own horn a little bit, four out of five in the first year came from my genre, one of mine. Yeah. The fifth mm-hmm. one, you guys don't agree with, but you might replace it with one from my genre. And I'm yeah. so curious, <laughs> like, you guys running this Hall of Fame here over the next couple of years may take my idea and prove it that the public tends to agree, or, like, they can start to disprove it in a way. But right now, it seems like, based on votes, that the 80s are, like, kind of at the forefront of people's brains. Mm-hmm. And I think definitely the 80s were the, be- you know, that's when the strip clubs blew up, too. That was when the MJP, Michael J. Peter, again, uh, his strip clubs blew up in the 80s. So there's a clear, I remember when I first started DJing in 95, the, you know, reading the MJP uh, DJ Bible, so to speak, the, the training guide they had for DJs. And certainly it was, you know, and we played a crap ton of Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna, uh, Motley Crue, Poison Warren, but nothing... But the heavier rock we weren't supposed to play either, though, like Metallica and Megadeth, that was too heavy. So, again, it was that find that sweet spot in the middle that appear uh, that appealed to more than less, right? You always want the yeah. the yeah. You don't. Well, I can't think of the phrase I'm looking for. Now. Well, maybe the metal purists wouldn't want to go to a strip club and like have to like publicly admit that they really enjoy Warrant Cherry Pie. But <laughs> there you go. They are going to be dancing to it, and that's what, it's going to work. And Bobby Brown was hot, the chick in the video. That's what made that song so big. Let's be honest. she's go- She was gorgeous. And uh, so were all the girls in the Hot for Teacher video and blah, 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 blah. And like the 80s sex thing really in America, there was a huge difference in visual sexuality that you saw in the 80s because of MTV. Yeah, uh, That started then because the 70s bands, you know, you didn't see videos of them very often. You might see a late night, a live thing. And you saw that on the inside of the, the vinyl, right? On the album, you'll see pictures of the band, maybe with a girl or not. But it wasn't, the, the visuals didn't really come into play until MTV in the 80s. Yeah. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. This has been really just informational for me beyond what I originally imagined. Thanks for allowing me to take an edible and have an idea. And then we turn it into this beautiful podcast. It's like chat GPT three, but for humans, Um, we are all members of the Pantheon music podcast network and uh, proud to be there. And if you guys have something you want to say on the way out, feel free. Otherwise check out what's hot in the strip clubs. You guys are doing a couple episodes a week. 
Boy, we're doing a lot. We started off uh, every other uh, every other week when we started doing podcasts, and we moved to weekly, and now we've got um, another series that's just whenever we can get them out. Sometimes there's five a week. Sometimes there's three a week. Um, you know, so we're we're expanding on doing a, more interviews with industry people. That's all at whatshotitsc.com, which is short for What's Hot in the Strip Clubs. Beautiful. Guys, yeah, and go ahead. Most most of it's music stuff. So we have remix podcasts. We have Panda Off the Charts. We have the Panda Top 20, which is a countdown show uh, monthly that comes out that gives you the 20 hottest strip club songs as sent in by our Panda DJs, our Panda reporting DJs. I formulate the top 20 out of the charts they send me. Uh, so we have that for you if you want to know what's getting played there. We have decade rock remix shows. We have interviews with artists. Uh, we've had Major Lazer on, Buck Cherry, Bush, Candlebox, Megadeth, Dorothy, uh, Godsmack. We've, we've interviewed all sorts of people with more artists coming soon, as well as, like he said, Behind the Curtain, which interviews um, people in the industry. And they have some amazing stories and some amazing talents uh, that we're really trying to show the world that, look, strip clubs, get rid of the stigma. You know, there are some amazing people in here with some great stories and, and stuff for everybody. I think everyone can relate to. So check it out, please. And hey, love being on. We got to do this again. You're great. You're <laughs> having a good time. And you ask great questions. And, uh, Let's talk music more. It's about the music, people. Thank you so much to Danny and Elon for coming on and chatting about their expertise. What a fascinating discussion that ended up being truly a lot of fun for me. As always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com and have yourself a lovely, lovely day. So that was our interview with Corey O'Flanagan, and it was sweet talking about uh, everything that we do to somebody outside the industry. Uh, a little heads up, everybody else out there uh, who has a podcast, if you want to interview Alon and I, uh, you know, we, we, lo- I, we love talking about ourselves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we are down. We, we love talking about interesting music factoids and stuff like that. So yeah, we're down. Also, hey, if you want to talk about music, join our Facebook group. What's Hot in the Strip Club's Facebook group is easy to join. It's open to the public. A lot of discussions about music from rock to hip hop to what goes on at the clubs a little bit. You know, so join us. And oh, also the Strip Club Music Hall of Fame. That's where you uh, discover all that. That's at www.stripclubhof.com, which by the way, you still have time to get your ballots in for the 2024 class. So get over there to that website www.stripclubhof.com and or join our Facebook group What's Hot in the Strip Clubs and join the conversation. Yes, all of our podcasts are at whatshotitsc.com Check them out. Thanks for listening to What's Hot in the Strip Clubs with Danny Myers and Alon Fong presented by Panda and Strip Joints Music. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 